This episode of Cruise Through HTX is live from the Pearland Podcast Studio. If you ever wanted to record a podcast but don't want to deal with the hassle of buying and figuring out equipment, my guys, Raul and William, have your back. Check them out at pearlandpodcaststudio.com. And as always, I, Freddie Cruz, have made it my job to share with you the stories of individuals, businesses, and organizations, the ones that make the greater Houston area great. This Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I'm spotlighting a guest who has helped survivors restore their confidence in a huge way. Her name is Miroslava de Leon, founder of Conceal Touch. And during this conversation, we're going to do a deep dive into her transition from corporate life into entrepreneurship, the feeling she gets when helping breast cancer survivors, and advice for people who wish to leave corporate America. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review and or sharing with your family and friends. This episode is brought to you by my podcast agency, Speak Podcasting, on the web at S-P-E-K-E, speak, that's speakpodcasting.com, home to shows like The Final Curtain Never Closes, hosted by President and CEO of the National Museum of Funeral History, Genevieve Kini Vasquez, as well as Let's Talk About Your Breasts, hosted by co-founder and CEO of the Rose Breast Center of Excellence, Dorothy Gibbons. Hi, I'm Dorothy Gibbons, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of The Rose. October is the month of pink, and for The Rose, a breast center of excellence, that means we'll be airing podcasts every day in October to celebrate Breast Cancer Awareness Month. When you look at resources like The Rose, when we pull up in the morning, and there's no cars in the parking lot, but there's four coaches with the headlights on, I get emotional. I have these two little boys, one had already lost one mother to breast cancer, and I was not going to let him lose another mother. Going through cancer three times, deciding not to share. The Rose walked her through all the journey, and the most fantastic person I met was Dixie Malello over there. You're going to get your daily dose of Let's Talk About Your Breast during the month of October. To find out ways to help The Rose, visit our website at therose.org. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran. This is Bruno Mars. Hey, it's Katy Perry. This is your man Flo Rida with Freddie Cruz. This is AJ Mitchell with Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Freddy Cruz. Let's go pick Mr. 305 and you already know what it is. My name is Freddie and it's time to cruise through HTX. Let's talk about your name. It's Miroslava. It's actually Russian. Um, I'm not Russian. I am Hispanic, born in Monterrey, Mexico. Um, so it's not confusing for people because of the name, <laughs> but it, it is Russian, um, but I'm not Russian. So as I understand, Miroslava is a very popular name down in the motherland. I too, being of Mexican descent, down in the motherland based on a soap opera actress. Correct. How many of them are there? Like, how many Miroslavas are there? Not very many. I think I've met maybe two um, so far that have the same name. For the same reason? Um, I don't know if it's for the same reason, Mm. but I've only met two Miroslavas, so it's a very, very rare name. Do you have a nickname? They call me Miros. Miros. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is there a male version of it? It's Miroslav. Miroslav. Without the A. Without the A. See, and no O, obviously. Miroslavo. No, <laughs> it's just Miroslav. Miroslav, okay, I like it. All right. Um, how much of a factor do you think maybe that was uh, that your name kind of plays into your origin story and doing something so cool and unique as being a paramedical tattoo artist? Um, I think, um, I mean, the name definitely is a little misleading 
right? Because they really don't know if they're coming to someone who speaks English, right? Mm. So, mm-hmm. um, but I've learned to appreciate the name um, as the years go on. When I was in, in elementary, hardly anyone can pronounce it. I was always called different names. And it wasn't until college that I appreciated the uniqueness that everyone would tell me, like, your name is so unique and, you know, it's, it's a really pretty name. So I didn't think, I think I learned to appreciate the uniqueness and the name until I got to college. And that really goes to show is who you surround yourself with. So you, you're in college, you're with people who want to be better, who mm-hmm. want an education. And that's when I really saw the difference. I'm like, wow, it really makes a difference with who you surround yourself and the perspective that it can bring to even a name. Then when you graduated, you went on to corporate America. I did. So I am an Aggie. I graduated from Texas A&M. I have a bachelor's in business administration. Um, I majored in supply chain management. So um, I, my dream, you know, five, six years ago was to work in corporate America in downtown. I would always go to downtown and I would always see the skyscrapers and, you know, women in suits. And that for me was my dream at the time. Um, I graduated and I was very blessed to have landed my first, my first job with a very well-known petrochemical company. So I worked there uh, for six years. I was a supply chain analyst. Um, within my first year of working there, I quickly realized that that was not for me. You know, what I thought corporate America was, was not corporate America. Um, I knew I wanted to take a different path in my life. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I even, you know, thought about going back to school. Um, I've always helped, I've always loved helping people and working with my hands. So I thought maybe going back to nursing school. Um, but I'm like, who am I kidding? I'm a business major. I don't have any of the prereqs. I would have to start all over again. And I don't have any of the science prereqs. Mm. So I tried real estate and got my license. And that wasn't for me either. How long Um, did you do that? The... Real estate? Not very long. Did you sell any houses? I did not. Wow. How many no's? How many cold calls? I didn't really like, try. Um, oh, okay. Because the majority of it was on the weekends. People wanted to see homes on the weekends. Mm, and okay. um, I was just like, well, I like my weekends. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't think this yeah. is for me. Hey, but you had the self-awareness though. Exactly. Yeah. So I think you have to try things. Um, sometimes you're going to fail at doing things, but you have to kind of try things to figure out what really is for you. And what works best for you. And um, for me, doing the paramedical tattooing was a calling. I really found out about what it was through a Facebook ad. And it's funny how things work. Because I remember just, you know, praying that I wanted to leave corporate. I just didn't know how to exit or what I wanted to do. And so I want to ask something here. So when you got the real estate license and you kind of had that little foray, was that while you were working your corporate gig? Yes. And so you just, you were for lack of a better term, throwing at throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck. Exactly. Real estate did not stick. Exactly. And so you're on Facebook, you saw the ad, you're like, whoa. Yeah, I saw the ad um, and I'm like, what is this? It was called uh, Scar and Stretch Mark Camouflage. And I had no idea what it was. So um, it's really popular in Brazil. It originated in Brazil. And I kept seeing this ad from this guy in Brazil that was you know, doing this and was covering scars and stretch marks and it really was you know giving women confidence back because who doesn't have stretch marks and who doesn't have a scar um so I just started looking into it and um it just kept popping up so the more I looked into it my interest grew 
And it's like when you open one door, you see what's behind it. And that's when I learned about the areola tattooing as well that, that failed in the paramedical um, tattooing. And it was a calling. I immediately knew that I wanted to take the risk and that I wanted to go full on with this as a career change. I want to know what you were surfing on Facebook that you kept seeing that ad because of the, because of the algorithms. <laughs> I really don't know. I really, uh, I wasn't back then, I wasn't really active on social media. Yeah. Not until now that I have a business and you kind of have to be active. I don't know if it was just, you know, something that was being thrown out there, especially yeah. from Brazil. Um, I really wasn't searching for anything in particular. So I think it was just a sign and it was okay. just... Um, a calling that was meant to be, um, because I really knew nothing about it that I knew about the permanent makeup, right? So the eyebrows, Mm -hmm. the eyeliner, the lips, that's more of like the permanent makeup side, but I really hadn't heard of the paramedical side of tattooing. Um, I knew I didn't want to do the, the brows and the lips. I never really caught my attention, but when I saw this with the paramedical, I knew immediately that I wanted um, to take a risk and I wanted just to get a feel for it. And um, I absolutely love it. (laughs) Yeah. So last night I was talking with my wife about interviewing you. And then there was someone I had an online course I had spoken with and I was talking about having you on as a guest because uh, we are here at the Pearland Podcast Studio. He's a friend of Raul and Williams. And so um, them being veterans, he was like, paramedical, where does the para, para come from? Because when I hear paramedical, I think that it might have something to do with the military. So you being a professional, obviously, uh, where does the paramedical fit into being a tattoo artist as opposed to someone who's just putting a tattoo on somebody's arm? So the difference is that we are working with breast cancer survivors. Um, and of course, scars, sometimes there's surgical scars for medical reasons. So that's where the paramedical term comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is, it's not a traditional tattoo where you go to a tattoo parlor. A lot of people have that misconception. And sometimes it's scary when you tell a breast cancer survivor, go get a tattoo. They do think that they're going to be walking into a, you know, a tattoo parlor. Um, so the word paramedical really fits in with this because we're dealing mainly um, with breast cancer survivors. And affected areas. Correct. Right. So affected areas that have been either, um, you know, after a mastectomy or either for uh, cosmetic reasons as well, a breast reduction, a breast lift, they're uh, left with scars. So this is really where the term paramedical comes in versus, you know, cosmetic or uh, aesthetic because we're working with, patients who have gone through some type of medical surgery. I imagine there are a lot, but what's one story, maybe even two that has stuck with you over the past, however long you've been doing this, that keeps you motivated, even when you feel like you're having trouble waking up and getting, (laughs) getting to the grind. Oh God, how can I say this without getting emotional? Um, Just like I just yesterday, I had a patient um, who was 65 years old, and uh, she had she was diagnosed with breast cancer 15 years ago, and during her breast cancer journey, she got divorced, um, which uh, um, it's common. Unfortunately, she hadn't dated in over 15 years. Um, you know, she went through the journey on, alone, and she reached out to me uh, because now she's dating someone, and she wanted to feel whole. Um, so a, something as simple as a tattoo 
for someone who hasn't dated or hasn't been with someone for over 15 years. And it's finally opening up again, right? They're opening up again, and it's giving them that confidence and kind of giving them their life back. Something as simple as, you know, not wanting maybe to share your story or you don't want someone to see you that way. A simple tattoo, an areola tattoo, changes the perspective of, of your life and really gives you that confidence. Um, for me, that's just rewarding. Something so simple as to be able to to give someone that confidence and where they can say, I'm going to move on with my life after 15 years. You know, I'm going to move on with, with, with this um, and live my life. There's nothing more rewarding than being able to help women. It feels as though that's something society doesn't really talk about, whether or not it's intentional or unintentional, but it's once the woman has survived, she got a double mastectomy and she's better. She's all good now. But at the same time, you're having your breasts removed and that's a part of your womanhood. Correct. Quite literally a part of your body has died and been removed. And so you're restoring in, in a large sense, part of who they are as a woman, if someone's gone their entire life having this. Depending on where the cancer is, is located, sometimes they can save the nipple, which is called the nipple sparing, or they'll just be able to save the nipple, but they, I no they, idea. they won't be able to save the areola. Some just won't, They depending on where cancer is, they're completely flat. So they, they don't have anything. It's a blank canvas with just the scars going across or depending what type of, of reconstruction they've, they've done. Um, some women do choose to get a, a nipple re- reconstruction, which is basically recreating that nipple mound. For the most part, they take ear cartilage and they rebuild the little nipple to make it look like there's something physically there. Okay, I didn't know that people can do that. So that's, it's, wow. an, it's an additional surgery. Um, I think we do a lot... Of, we do really we do a really good job at raising awareness of prevention, right? Mm-hmm. You know, get your mammogram. You know, make sure that you um, are doing the the necessary steps to make sure that you you know you don't your your routines. But nobody really talks about what happens after. Yeah. Right. And right. it's a very traumatic experience that these women go through. That you'll never be the same again. And I think some people are insensitive as to what they say, you know, well, at least you got, you know, your new breasts. Well, now you have implants. At least you lived. Exactly. Yeah. So it's very insensitive. um, And people just don't know what they've been through, the trauma that it really causes. And what makes you feel like a woman has been completely taken away, right? Some women just are left with nothing. They don't want their husbands to see them. They turn off the lights. They don't want to look in the mirror because they just don't want to see that version of themselves. So um, I think a lot of people still don't know about areola tattooing and areola restoration. Even some doctors still don't know about it. So it is my mission to raise awareness because I've seen the impact that it has on women, on their confidence, you know, getting back to their, you know, their normal life, whether it's dating or just, you know, their day-to-day life. Um, I think there's not enough awareness of life after breast cancer. And it's so heartbreaking to hear how a woman will refuse to look at her naked body in the mirror because she doesn't have 
that. Right. They don't feel like themselves anymore. Yeah. You know, part of the part of them was removed. It was taken, and um, they just don't want to, you know, face what they have gone through. So they just choose not to even look at the mirror. Let's go back to your work specifically, and we had touched lightly on how there's a, a misconception about what you do because paramedical tattoo artist, you're, it's got the words tattoo artist in it. And so what is a myth surrounding your line of work, seeing as how there's not very much awareness of what you do for these women who have been affected by breast cancer or if it's somebody who has uh, surgical scars from another procedure? So I think a misconception, just because it has the word tattooing, uh, people think I am a, just a traditional tattoo artist, right? Where I can, you know, give you a butterfly or a dragon or something. <laughs> Have people actually walked into your place asking <laughs> they, for that? <laughs> they've asked after I've done some kind of uh, service, you know, can you do this? Can you do that? And I'm Oh, like, you mean after so, having the 3D areola, having, life-changing, yes. <laughs> confidence-boosting, hey, by the way, I have an idea. I want an alien head on my left arm. <laughs> so just because of the word tattooing, there is a misconception where they think that, um, you know, I, I do traditional tattoos and I don't. That's not my specialty. My specialty really is is just the 3D areola restoration, whether it's for breast cancer or cosmetic reasons, working with scars and stretch marks. That's really my focus. That's what I focus on, and that's the only thing that I do. So I think the misconception is sometimes, too, um, women, whenever um, – their surgeon refers them to me, they think they're going to walk in into a tattoo parlor. I I have an office in a medical tower. um, So when they come in, they're a lot more relieved. They're like, you know, I really thought I was going to walk into a tattoo shop and, and I was really scared and I lost sleep. And so it makes them really nervous, the word tattoo. But the reason we say a tattoo is because it's permanent. We we are dealing with um, breast tissue that has been compromised so it's not something that we want to keep touching up every year. So we want, it's really a tattoo. We're working with tattoo inks and we're working with a tattoo machine, but the technique is different than a traditional, you know, tattoo artist. Um, and I just think um, more than anything, um, being able to connect with patients, it's really important. Being able to connect with them and, um, you know, talk to them, while you're tattooing and having that connection with them, it really makes a difference and it makes their, the, the tattoo process a lot more enjoyable for them. How do you make it easier for somebody who maybe had a rough night's sleep bef- the night before going in to see you? So I, that, that happens often when, when they, you know, they lose sleep. And I always ask, like, are you, how are you feeling? Are you excited? Are you nervous? And for the most part, they were like, I'm, I'm really nervous. Like, I've never had a tattoo. Is it going to hurt? So I always like to explain the procedure, whether it's, you know, if we have a conversation before or if I'm meeting you for the first time in the office. For the most part, a lot of women don't have feeling. They don't have feeling in their breast because they've gone in and they've cut the nerve endings for the reconstruction. So it has everything to do with getting the mastectomy. Correct. So oh. for the most part, a lot of women don't feel it because they don't have sensation in their breast area. Mm. So for the most part, most won't feel the tattoo. A lot of them are worried that it's going to be painful, and for the most part, it's not. 
Now there is women that do have feeling. And if they do have feeling, um, I use secondary numbing. So I apply it after we've done uh, one pass um, with the tattoo. I apply the topical numbing and within five minutes they're numbed. So um, I always like to make them involved in the process. So I always ask them, you know, um, looking at your like breast, is there a certain size that you'd like? You know, a certain color that you'd like. I like to make them part of, of the journey because it's it's theirs, and I want them to have a say. So I want them to make them to for them to feel like they're included. So they'll be like, well, you know, my areolas were really big before. I want them smaller. Or I want them bigger because they were too small before. So I really like to work with patients individually and see what they what they want. And sometimes they'll come in with a picture of their breasts of what it looked like before. And they'll say, I want it to look exactly like they did before. So that gives me an idea. And then some, they're like, you're the expert. You know, you, <laughs> you tell me what looks best. I trust you. Um, you tell me what colors. You tell me what size. And usually we'll go on size based on the size of the breast. They have small breasts, we'll go with a smaller areola and a smaller nipple. If they have larger breasts, you know, we'll go with something that, that matches what they have. Mm-hmm. In terms of co- color selection, it's the same thing. I work depending on their skin tone. For someone who's fair skin, we're not going to give them a very dark areola unless they want to. For someone who is a darker skin tone, we give them more of an areola that looks like, you know, closer to their skin tone and that matches their skin tone. So I always like to make sure that um, I'm kind of explaining what I'm doing. I'll draw on with my little circle template the placement. I'll do my measuring, and I'll have them look in the mirror. And I'll ask them, do you like that size? Do you think it's too small? Do you think it's too big? We can make adjustments. It's not a big deal. So I always like to make them feel included, like they've. Um, it's really their breasts, right? So I want to make it as personalized as possible. So sometimes they look at it and they're like, you know what, I think I want to go a little bit bigger or I want to go a little bit smaller. And we can absolutely do that. So before I even start tattooing, I always have them look in the mirror to make sure placement, if we're going to reconstruct. If sometimes when they have the nipple already there, um, then uh, we won't create the 3D nipple effect. But when it's completely flat, that's when we really do that 3D nipple effect with the areola that looks very, very hyper-realistic. And this is all not done with someone who just decides that they want to go and have this procedure. So from start to finish, let's say Jane Doe discovers Miroslava's business, calls you up. I imagine there's some sort of consultation. Then you make an appointment. The appointment, you have everything that you just discussed. You agree on what it's going to look like and what it's going to entail. And then you have the procedure? So for the most part... um they have already been released from their surgeons. So I got I get a lot of referrals from surgeons. So depending on how far they are, they are out from their surgery, they have to be minimum six months of their breast reconstruction to be able to get the tattoo. Six months. Six months minimum. Some, um, but I always say, you know, as long as your doctor clears you and, and it's safe for you to proceed, mm-hmm. my main concern is their safety. So mm-hmm. yes, I want to be able to, to do beautiful areola tattoos, but I want to make sure that it's safe for them. Is it because that area is um, still very much compromised or the, the, it's the wound is the surgical wound is fresh and it's a risk of infection. Correct. Yes. If it's an open wound, then we, we can't tattoo over it. Oh yeah. Right. It's going to, there's more risk for infections and Mm -hmm. that's the last thing we want. We want them to make sure that it's safe for them. So usually, um, they'll call me, uh, we'll have a phone consultation 
And then usually I'll be like, if you feel comfortable, send me a picture. Some just say, I want to schedule the, the, the appointment. They don't even want to come in for a consult because they're excited to get it done. They're like, you know, my doctor recommended you. I've seen your work and I want to get in as soon as possible. So um, I've gotten used to, um, I meet them on that first day and they're ready for, for their uh, tattooing. So then that's when we talk about, you know, the size, the colors and all that. And it usually takes me for a bilateral, so for both sides, mm-hmm. um, an hour and a half. So it's not a long, it's not a long um, service. Like I said, for the most part, they don't really feel much. Mm-hmm. And um, they'll come back in six to eight weeks for a touch-up just because they'll lose a little bit of that retention from the pigment. And I really want to make sure that it's um, any little details. I want to make sure that we get it perfect in that touch-up session. And then after that, so you talk about it being permanent because it is a tattoo. So there is no follow-up in a year or two years? or So usually just like any traditional tattoo, it's going to fade. And the color is going to degrade a little bit with the years. Right. So it's recommended you know, every five to six years just to freshen up. Um, but some women like the faded look because it looks more natural. So it really comes down to personal choice. And it really comes down if, if, they, re- if they think they need to freshen up. Um, and well, it's kind of like a color booster, right? We'll go in and just add more ink where it looks more fresh. But some women like when it starts fading because it looks a little bit more natural. So it really comes down to personal preference. But it is not advised, you know, on a yearly basis to do the touch-ups. It's just not necessary. It's not necessary. If done correctly, if worked at the correct depth, if worked with the correct, you know, inks and, um, you know, machine speed, all of that, there's no need for, there shouldn't be a need for, for this to be done every year. Best place to find out where you are and all about your work? Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. You are huge. I am very active on yeah. Instagram. Um, I get flagged all the time, though. For- I was going to ask you, how does it... How do you have to clarify all that? So I usually have to put, um, you know, please do not report. This is a post-mastectomy areola tattoo, um, but I still get flagged. Uh, I guess it's the bot on Instagram that, you know, doesn't, can't tell if it's, you know, um, nudity, but I do get flagged all the time uh, for nudity. I've had my account suspended. (laughs) Really? But I am continuing to fight and appeal because for me, this is, it's important that I'm raising awareness and that women are seeing um, what can be done. You know, I think for the most part, when they see what it looks like and how realistic it looks, because when you think, when you hear the word tattoo, you think it's going to look like a tattoo. Right. And my work and my style is to make it look as realistic as possible and not like a tattoo. So before and afters is huge for, for women to see what can be done especially on, you know, um, if they have a certain skin color, if they do have a nipple mount, if they don't, for them to be able to see the work that can be done with, you know, different with different types of, of scenarios, it's really important. So um, I'm continuing to fight Instagram every day where I have to peel my post and, um, you know, I, I, I try, um, you know, to always put a caption that, you know, please do not report. I still get reported. But um, it's ridiculous because they go, it, it says I'm going against their guidelines, but their guidelines, you are allowed to, uh, to post uh, post-mastectomy photos. Mm-hmm. So it's just very contradicting that we're having to fight Instagram and it's not letting us raise awareness as we should. Right. 
Well, look her up on Instagram, Concealed Touch by Miroslava, and her website is Concealed Touch. That's all one word, concealedtouch.com. Before we wrap up the conversation, what is your advice for somebody who wishes to ditch corporate America? <laughs> uh, don't be afraid. I think, um, you know, you, we feel secured um, when we have a job. You know, we know what our paycheck is going to look like, you know, every week or biweekly. So I think the biggest thing that holds people back is fear. Fear of the un- unknown. Am I going to be successful? Am I not going to be successful? Am I going to make it? But if you don't take that risk, you'll never know. So my biggest regret is not doing it sooner. So if I could go back in time, I wish I would have had the courage to quit sooner than six years. It took me six years to do it. So my advice would be just do it. You can always find another job if it doesn't work out. But if you don't do it, you're never going to know. So I think fear is what holds everybody back from doing something. But when you have fear, I think it's because you're, it's something that you are meant to do or that you need to do and try it before you even give up. Miroslava, I'm so glad that we've met. And I'd be remiss if I did not tell you, the listener, that if you want to learn more about what she's doing, you can check out my friends at The Rose. They have a podcast called Let's Talk About Your Breasts. And Miroslava goes into even more detail surrounding the process of 3D areola tattooing and whatnot with Concealed Touch. So you look up that podcast. She and Dorothy were rocking the mic, and it was a great conversation to listen to and an honor to produce. And so uh, thank you so much for coming by Pearland Podcast Studios to chop it up on my podcast. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's me. I'm back with a quick little nudge. If you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did putting it together for you, then please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the newsletter at cruisethroughhtx.com and share with your family and friends. Thank you.